Gally, quick introduction of yourself, if you could. Yeah. So my name is Gally. Uh, I'm a YouTuber. I have a, a channel called HyperChange, all about investing in the future of technology. And Tesla is probably my biggest obsession. Been invested in them for years and years now. And so, uh, yeah, pumped to dive into the earnings. I was on the call last night, spent all day scheming on it. So, so ready to dive in. Awesome. Awesome. So, uh, fools, we're going to be going over the next hour or so. We're going to be discussing kind of the ins and outs of uh, Tesla's earnings call. I have a bunch of questions that I want to ask Gally, who's been following this company for years and is a Tesla expert. If you have questions, please put them in the Slido and, uh, and upvote them and we'll get them uh, going. So, Gally, I want to start out with a quote from Elon right off the top. He said, Hell yeah. Q3 was our best quarter in history. We achieved record production and deliveries, record revenue, record net income, both gap and non-gap, and record free cash flow of $1.4 billion. I mean, that sounds good. <laughs> what is your big takeaway from this? If I said, describe the quarter in a couple of sentences, what would you say? I mean, yeah, like a record on every single level, despite kind of the world falling apart, no matter where you are on the planet, uh, people are still buying Teslas and Tesla's making more money on each Tesla they sell. Um, so it's pretty incredible to watch this kind of 180 business transformation we've seen since last year, burning a lot of money to just producing, you know, every single skeptic, every single short seller, every single financial media website was just talking about how much money Tesla lost every quarter. And now that that flip is totally switched and it's pretty mind numbing uh, to see like how dramatic that switch has been. We saw like a 9.2% operating margin this quarter, uh, you know, Tesla had a 500,000 unit per year delivery run rate. Like, they're, they're hitting these margins that are like luxury, even though they're starting to hit mainstream and you can see the trajectory for these margins to keep going up. So now we're this quarter, we're starting to get that financial evidence that like, this is the apple of the automotive world. This is changing every norm for the profitability structure of an automotive company, which is what the bulls have been saying was going to happen for years. And now we're really seeing that evidence with a 28% gross margin, you know? Yeah, I, I will get into the margins in, in, in a little bit. Uh, I was also pretty flabbergasted by by some of the margins, but just let me give you some of the headline numbers here. So revenue was up 39% to $8.77 billion. Uh, for context, Wall Street was estimating $8.26 billion. So more than half a billion dollar beat uh, on the top line. Uh, of that number, automotive revenue was up 42% to $7.6 billion. Uh, service revenue and other uh, is that just purely services on the, the, the automotive business, Gally? Do you know? Uh, I think it's like supercharging, servicing cars, and any other random stuff. Okay, that was up six percent to five hundred and eighty million. Uh, in their auto business, they did note that uh, Model S and Model X deliveries were down thirteen percent year over year, but that was more than overwhelmed by Model Three and Model Y deliveries that were up fifty six percent. Overall production volume was up. 51% this quarter. Now that is faster than revenue growth. So as you said, Gally, average selling prices are coming down. And we actually saw a couple of price decreases after the quarter ended, I believe. Um, can you talk a little bit about the strategy there? Yeah. So, I mean, Tesla's strategy is they're a really mission-based company. You know, it's, I think it's kind of unique. Like everyone says that, but Tesla, Tesla like actually is a mission-based company. Um, and so they want to transition the world to electric vehicles. So that means we can't just sell really expensive cars. We need everyone to do it, but it's bringing in commercializing a new piece of technology. So they started with a $250,000 car, like 200,000, the Roadster, you know, 10 years ago. Now the cheapest one's 35 grand, yet it has more range, can charge faster and can, you know, has the autopilot functionality. So it's like a 10 times better price product for like 80% less of a price. So they've been just, and yet their, their gross margin has gone up and now they have the industry leading 28% gross margin. So they're playing this game where, 
you know, nobody believed Elon Musk and Zach Kirkborn at every conference call. And we're like, we have manufacturing efficiencies. We're constantly improving pace of innovation. Like, you know, Tesla reinvents what they're doing on the factory floor. So like a factor of probably 10 or 20 X faster than all these other car companies. So they're just constantly iterating and improving on that manufacturing process. So uh, they used to be a lot worse at manufacturing than everyone else. Now they're a lot better and they pass along these savings that they achieve every quarter to customers. And so my guess is, you know, they have a 25% margin. Now it's juicing up to 30%. They're like, okay, boom, time to drop the price two G's because we're going to pass along those savings to our customer because we need to keep lowering the price. Like they set up battery day, we want to hit a $25,000 car. So they're going to keep eventually going down um, to get there while kind of trying to maintain this margin profile. Yeah, that's, uh, I completely understand that. I have heard from several other people in the past that Tesla is lowering prices because there's no demand for their vehicles. And they've been saying yeah, that for I would, years. <laughs> those people have no, no business analysis skills because Tesla literally has, can't like their, their biggest problem for every single quarter is like they sell every car they produce. They can't figure out how to make more of them fast enough. That's like their biggest problem. That's why if you look at their delivery chart, it goes like this and every other automaker is going like this. So the demand problem is just, you know, really lazy analysis. Now, let me ask you a question on the SNX. I know that Elon Musk in prior calls has basically said, we, SNX are becoming irrelevant to our overall business. Um, the really, the, the future of Tesla is, is three and Y. I mean, the numbers clearly bear that out. Do you think that SNX, I mean, how do you think about SNX revenue for yourself? And do you think that, do you think that this number can grow or is it kind of in a permanent state of decline? You know, I mean, Tesla disrupted itself. I mean, why are you going to buy the Model X when you buy, can buy the Model Y? I just got a Model Y. It's it's a better car, in my opinion. And, I, you know, so I think they said the, they're going to do the Plaid Model S, right? So we know a Plaid, an S refresh is coming. But what about the Model X? I've actually, this is kind of a hot take, is my pitch to Tesla has been like, let's discontinue the Model X because the doors are crazy. Not that many people are buying it. Like, let's focus on something else. You know, I just think it's kind of a distraction at this point. But they already have the 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 production line set up. People want the car. It's kind of a niche with the doors. So it's it's kind of a distraction to the mission of Tesla. So I think that's why they don't really care about it. Um, but, you know, I'm really curious to see if they come out with a Plaid version of the Model X because they are doing the S, right? Yeah, they're going through, or they've at least said a refresh does seem to be coming on, on, the, on the Model S. And they also just lowered the price uh, of the Model S too. So it'll be interesting to see if those, that, those changes cause that number to increase over time or if it just kind of hovers at like steady state, uh, I forget what the number is, maybe like 50,000 vehicles per year uh, between the two or something like that. Uh, anyway, let's switch over to the rest of the uh, the, uh, the revenue statement. So the energy business, 44% uh, revenue growth to 579 million. Solar deployments was up 33% and storage was up 50, 59%. I wanna read you a quote here, record storage deployments aided by the positive reception of Megapack and Powerwall products as productions and deployment grow. I was pleasantly surprised to see this business is really starting to grow and hopefully will become meaningful in time. Historically, this has been a drag on the company over the last couple of years. What do you see when you look at the energy business? Yeah, you know, I've, I've always been so excited by the potential of Tesla energy, kind of this idea that Tesla sells a family of products that both uh, consume energy, which is cars, produce energy, which is solar panels, and store energy, which is batteries. And that, tri that trifecta of sort of angles to attack the energy industry is really their mission and business model. And so we've really just seen them, you know, they've kind of been like a startup, just so laser focused on products that consume energy, cars. Um, that they've really been in the background taking their time for this energy business. And, the, uh, you know, they bought Solar City. It was extremely bloated. And there's lots of really interesting stuff on the conference call. And they took away all the sales and marketing. 
because why do you need to do sales and marketing if we can just send you or put you a spot on the Tesla website where everyone's going to buy an electric car? Of course, they're going to want to buy a solar panel. So they by acquiring Solar City, they got a lot of hate for that. It was actually genius in the long run because they took out the largest soft cost of solar, which is now why they have the cheapest solar in the country. And at the same time for like trying to figure out that solar business, they took out leasing, went to direct sales. So sort of this rework of the solar city business model, make it more profitable. And in the background also perfecting the solar roof technology, which is constantly, oh, it's the year of the solar roof or it's the year of the solar roof. Now Elon says 2021 is the year of the solar roof. I actually kind of believe him because they actually are installing it. We did see solar megawatts tick back up, but um, it's really awesome to see that Tesla. Now they raise their capital. The car business is crushing it. They've moved the focus a little bit to that energy business now because it's, you know, it's been like their car business. Everyone wants a solar roof. Everyone wants their batteries. They just can't build enough of them fast enough. Right. That same problem. And so now this quarter after years and years of focus, we saw that breakout numbers, you know, um, they put a new guy on the call who got promoted. He's only been there for eight months. He was from next era, huge game changing kind of bureaucratic energy company. So he's probably moving and shaking a good fit for Tesla, making big moves. That's why we're seeing the mega packs go up and, and the numbers. Um, but yeah, you know, for me personally, like I had kind of been waiting for this breakout quarter for energy, um, like not really worrying about it because the automotive has been so good. It's required so much focus, but now to see this energy business as well, kind of start to kick in and hit its stride. And we know this is just the start. Like it's really, really exciting, um, to see kind of all these threads come together. Like maybe it took a little longer, but it, it's happening, you know? Yeah, one one quote. I'm going to skip forward a little bit here, but since we're talking about the energy, I I I was intrigued by this. Elon said, "Solar roof is a killer product. This will become obvious next year." Does that mean they yeah. have another version coming out, or are they just talking? You think they're just talking about scale there? Yeah, they're talking about scale, and they've been brute forcing scaling this thing. And I, you know, their megawatt solar deployments have more than doubled in the quarter. I'd be really curious to know how much of that was solar roof versus solar panels. Um, but yeah, I think this is you know, they're starting to put up the numbers of where the solar roof is moving the needle. You think about a roof, the solar roof could be cost you a model three, basically. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's a really expensive roof. So they don't need to install that many per week to, for this to start making millions and millions of dollars in revenue. And so I'm really excited because every time I walk down the street, I see not a single house with a solar roof. And in 10 years, they're all going to have solar roofs. And so I don't, need, I don't know what other company is going to do. I think it's going to be Tesla, but I see this, you know, the, the entrepreneur in me, like the excited business person who thinks about how the world's going to change, thinks there's a massive problem that we're wasting all the energy that hits our cities and not using it. Yet we all consume energy every day. And, you know, it's just this kind of massive inefficiency in the whole the way, way the system works. And Tesla's really thinking about it, the way they talk about their HVAC system. I'm sure we'll get into that. Yes. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yes, we will. And, uh, the thing that I find fascinating about Tesla is they, you know, they they said that they lowered their cost per kilowatt hour to a dollar forty nine for the for the solar, and they could do so because they're essentially, as you pointed out, eliminated their sales and marketing spend. You you, it's like small, medium, large. What do you want? You put it on your roof. What's interesting to me about that is not only is the solar roof kind of a differentiated product, but I think Tesla is the only company that can make this move because they are the only company that essentially gets unlimited free advertising. Uh, so that's going to be a that's going to be something that I think this year moving forward will really differentiate them in the solar market, which again is somewhere that they haven't been able to grow as fast as they've wanted thus far. Yep. Between just you and me, Brian, I had a friend who worked at a large automaker, I won't name, that was telling me how he was begging them to get into solar because he was like, if we're going to get into electric vehicles, we're going to be literally having the same touch point that these solar companies are paying thousands of dollars to get in front of. And it's a, just a no brainer from an ROI perspective to make this happen. And it got killed and it was too bureaucratic and they wouldn't let the project fly because they don't like solar panels at car companies. But it was so interesting to hear how 
you know, the business world doesn't believe what Elon Musk is saying about trimming the marketing expenses from Solar City, but I hear the executives from other car companies trying to make the same move to copy it. So that's when I was like, damn, they're really, really onto something here. Um, Culture is a weapon. Uh, so let's talk yeah. about margins for a second. Uh, so as you said, Tesla's auto gross margin, 27.7%. Uh, on the call, they did say that increased, uh, including the uh, the regulatory credits, and some of their programs are uh, well above 25%. Uh, yeah, actually, one note on that. The regulatory credits went down quarter over quarter, um, but gross margin went up. And so a lot of the skeptics continually just in, inaccurately and really frustratingly point at that, and it's just totally wrong. And so to me, this was the really strongest quarter we got of a sequential decrease in credits and a just huge bump up in structural gross margin for vehicles of like 500 basis points, which is like undeniable operational progress, not due to the credits, literally Tesla getting structurally better at building cars with more robots than humans. Those, you know, financial efficiencies are what we're seeing in the gross margin, not the regulatory credit. So that seeing evidence of that is like another good thing for the bulls. And uh, on the call, they pointed out locally built and delivered cars has increased from under 50% at the beginning of last year to over 70% more recently. That number is only going to go up as Shanghai continues to get built out, as Giga Berlin uh, continues to get uh, built out. Those aren't producing any car or they're Giga is Berlin isn't producing any cars at the moment. The thing that I laughed about on the call later was when Elon said, all of these margins are going to look comically small when you factor in autonomy. What did you make of that? Oh, I love that. And so, you know, I spent a lot of time on my channel talking about, you know, the insight that you can get from management's commentary and like, where's their head at? What's what, what are they thinking? So what happened after the call? They up the They said they're going to up the price of FSD two grand. I mean, I think Elon Musk's level of confidence in autopilot and how uh, and just becoming fully autonomous, he thinks it's in the bag. They're getting much, much closer. He's literally driving the bleeding edge alpha version of this product. Like this is going to totally transform the economics of Tesla's business model. You know, in the past, it's like I kind of had this weird theory that Tesla was like a Trojan horse business model. Like they're selling all these cars basically at break even to collect all this data to train this AI that's going to make all these cars worth a gazillion times more and nothing even matters until it's all for the data so they can get this a you know the self-driving ai that's really going to be worth trillions who cares about you know selling a couple cars here and there and they agree with that and that's what elon musk keeps hinting of like we're going to be cash flow break even until a robo taxi where we're just going to be insanely profitable you know and that's what he was alluding to more and more here is like why are we asking about margins why do you want me to do turo who cares about that dude we're, we're focused on the much bigger fish so when you hear his mindset that level of confidence about what he's focused on it's like okay uh, and then at night, it's almost like he had a secret in his back pocket and they raised FSD by not one grand. I've been waiting for them to up this to two grand increment price increases. And that's what they did tonight. And so what other car company has a software package that now costs 10 grand that 30% of their customers buy that they keep raising the price of? This is like the elephant in the room that people, you know, um, I want to let you know, Ben, but... <laughs> No, that, that's 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 interesting. I didn't I didn't see that they raised the price of full self driving by two thousand. They will. They announced they will, they will. Monday. Like they so will like Monday. Days to order. Yeah, something like that. So okay, so it's going to be ten thousand dollars for their full self driving yeah. uh, package. And I just bought it for eight grand for my Model Y. So I got to tell you, as a user, oh my god! Like as dope as the Tesla is, it looks cool. It's the safest car I can buy. I love all that. But when you go on a road trip to San Francisco for thirteen hours, I hate driving. And like. I'm just chilling to Joe Rogan. The cognitive load of driving, the stress of me driving went down 95% because it's on autopilot literally the whole way on the highway. Like 98% of the miles on the highway, I'm on autopilot. Like 
I couldn't even put a price on what I would pay for the reduction in stress and just how much more amazing my trip was because of autopilot. Like, I, I don't think people realize like, yes, we don't have full self-driving yet, but the, the needle is moving so far in customer happiness because of this autopilot product already, even at eight grand, even at 10 grand, it's the best eight grand I spent out of my Tesla. You know, I love it. I use auto park. It parks itself. Like it's so, um, yeah. Now you have, so it was interesting here is you have, you've plunked down that money and you saying that it's completely worth it to, to, to you to do so. Uh, I, I don't know the metric off the top of my head. I, did you just say 30% of Tesla owners have opted for the full self driving so far? There's no official data, but I've looked at like some surveys and my guess is like 25 to 30%. How do you think Tesla gets that re, re, that other 70% uh, to convert? Because I think, is, is it like one of those things, like once you try it, you, you realize you can't live without it or because I can see it being a really hard sell to be like, oh, the car will drive itself. Just give us $10,000 uh, to make it do that. How do you think they convince their existing fleet to, to, to upgrade? Yeah, I mean, I, it's it's like butts and seats, right? It's like if you try it, you're going to want it. There's just no way like I, I, um, and so I think they're not really worried. I think they actually, every time it goes up to 40%, they actually raise the price and bump it down because they don't <laughs> want, like, they're not even worried about that yet. Um, and, you know, yeah, I think it's just, they're playing the long game. And I think it's actually significantly underpriced for the value they get. And even though they can only recognize half the revenue, and then as they roll out these features, they re accrue more of that software revenue on the income statement, like that's all an accounting game. You know, I bought it not because I'm expecting all these updates that I'm waiting for and I hate the FSD until these updates come. No, like it's worth eight grand today. I think it's worth 15 grand when I bought it and it's already better. It's probably worth 17 grand and they're still charging 10 grand. That's a secret that nobody knows, but the secret's getting out and that's why they're going, okay, now not, now not one grand, two grand. And so, you know, you start to factor in like, okay, on a 60 grand car, they're only making 10 or 15 grand normally, you know, that two grand increase in incremental profit all of a sudden is like a huge needle mover for gross margins when you start plugging that into the spreadsheets. And so this has never happened in a car company. This is why every person on Wall Street didn't believe what Elon was saying and never calculated this in their spreadsheet and just couldn't fathom how Tesla could hit these higher gross margins, even though they were telling you the whole time. And now that they are, it's just breaking, you know, Wall Street freaked out. It was like, oh my God, Tesla's going to make so much money. We can't even fit it in our spreadsheet. And that's why the stock's up 10x, you know? <laughs> now uh, on that though, that is a lever for future profitability. Uh, however, I don't think it was pulled this quarter, right? Uh, gross margin was still high or what was there? I didn't see that detail. Was there revenue that was recognized from the full self-driving that made the, uh, the gross margin go up or was it not much this quarter? Um, so I think there's, there's kind of a misconception where people think it's like a one-time thing. And so they discount that revenue when it comes in. Um, as they accrue, it, it's not going to be one time thing. It's going to happen for like years as the FSD thing comes out. But even so, this quarter it was like a non. Because uh, remember, I talked about the growth, the efficiencies in manufacturing, or the driver and gross margin. They recognize about ten million in that FSD revenue. I think Kirk Horn said. So like out of you know hundreds and hundreds of millions of profit, this was like it didn't move the needle right. at all. Okay. Some quarter yeah. it can be like a, a a little bit bigger, but this quarter was very small. It is, it is a metric that could be pulled in the future. It wasn't pulled in this quarter. All right, let's click on to the rest of the, uh, the income statement. So uh, as you pointed out, gap operating margin was 9.2%. Gap net income of 331 million or 27 cents a share. That was the fifth quarter in a row of gap profitability. Non-gap net income plus 156% to 847 million or 76 cents per share. That was way ahead of the estimate of 56 uh, cents per share. 
during that quarter, the big delta there is the stock-based compensation for uh, Elon Musk, I, I believe was a major driver of there. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so it's Elon Musk's uh, stock compensation package. I believe they recognize like 300 or 290 million of that stock comp in the quarter. And, you know, so these are like, as he vests the tranches of his stock, they're going to look like expenses, but it's kind of an accounting game because, you know, I already assumed we would issue him that stock when we gave him that package. And so we're not, it's not like a cash expense that Tesla had, um, but they have to put it on their books. And so even despite that, you know, they had a great quarter, but. Yeah, uh, that, that is a big delta between the two, obviously because Tesla's market cap, I, I'm pretty sure that that metric is tied to market capitalization and the, bigger, the higher the share price and the market cap go, the, the more those tranches come uh, due. Uh, also in the quarter, 2.4 billion in operating cash flow including 600 million in working capital um, uh, gains. This is something that they talked about with Model 3 previously, where they're basically saying we can make and make and sell the car and receive cash faster than uh, it costs us to, uh, in terms of receivables and inventory. Nice to see that that is starting to kick into high gear. They said this when, when Model 3 first came out, they said the more we sell, the faster our free cash flow uh, can grow. So that particularly uh, was exciting to me, but 1.4 billion in, in free cash flow. Hopefully that goes a long way to put to rest the argument of Tesla's going bankrupt, Tesla is running out of, uh, of, of money. Uh, what do you see when you look at those, uh, those numbers? I mean, I see the same thing. I'm like, wow, this is uh, you know 1.4 billion in operating cash flow times four, what are we looking at? Six billion, five and a half billion in, in annual cash flow for a 400 billion asset. That's like a one and a half percent free cash flow yield. I mean. What's that the same as the 10 year Tesla's free cash flow is growing like crazy. I mean, I don't know. This is, you know, it's, it's interesting to do that kind of metric because I think there's, it's, I'm trying to wrap my head around the valuation of Tesla and what we're seeing in the markets today. It's hard. It's really hard to, a, to, to, yeah. to wrap your head around. Well, actually, so I have a theory, which makes it very easy, which is, it's just, you know, the, it's, there's a balance, right? There is no alternative. And so if your interest rates are at one or 2%, the inverse price implied price earnings ratio on that is like 50 to 100x price earnings ratio because you know that's the inverse yield equation and so if the PE of the S&P is at 15 like that just looks way too cheap because that's a 7% earnings yield and the 10 year is not at 7% anymore so you don't have that balance 10 years at 2% S&P is fair at 50 and so Tesla with quintuple the growth of the S&P is fair at 250 if you actually do the math in the peg and so if we're at 75 this could be you know 60% underpriced and so especially if you're like wow they don't even have a robo taxi yet if they do that and that yield goes to you know 10 or 20 billion in cash flow all of a sudden so i don't know there's a lot of interesting ways to look at it but i think there's a true techflation occurring where equity and technology companies that are the future of the world are a lot more valuable than fiat currency we all got a 1200 dollars check as americans or a lot of us did you know it was like whoa the government can just do that they click a button we all get 1200 like hmm, maybe this bitcoin thing's worth looking into now bitcoin's soaring you know maybe like oh maybe tesla you know this equity in this technology company instead of worthless piece of paper is where i want to store my hard-earned life savings and so i think there's this really big kind of awakening of, of people with their finances of why am i is all my wealth sitting in fiat i want to pour it into technology companies and so yes we're seeing a rush of valuation but at a high level you know, rationally, that's what I've done with my capital for years. I own no fiat and it's all in technology companies. So when I see the market adapting to that, I'm like, yeah, that makes total sense to me. Now let's move over to the balance sheet. Uh, $14.5 billion in cash at the end of the quarter. They did raise $5 billion at $449 per share. I'm uh, 
pretty good. They also said later on, we are currently expecting over 1 billion in early convert paydowns in Q4, primarily associated with the 2021 conversions, but also our 2022 and 2024. I assume that that is the convertible debt that is essentially being retired early and converted into, um, into, uh, into, into stock. Uh, am I reading that right? Uh, to be honest, I'm, you know, I'm not an expert. I haven't looked into the balance <laughs> okay. sheet, like super, Fair enough. super tight this quarter, but like, you know, 14 and a half billion in cash, maybe they have, you know, some, a few billion in debt here and there, like they're in an excellent financial position. You know, it's, it's to the point where like Tesla used to be kind of levered. They used to be, you know, only a couple's quarter worth of cash. They were burning money, but now they have such a big cushion relative to their debt pile. And the core business is pumping out so much cash. Like I'm not even concerned about the balance sheet, frankly, like they're spending money literally as fast as they can. And they can't even spend it fast enough because they don't have like good enough engineers to hire, you know, that's like why they, so they have it like piling up in the bank. So, you know, I, you know, I, I just, it, I sleep great at night knowing that Tesla's got a bulletproof balance sheet and I, and I don't really think about it more than that. Fair enough. Okay. So outlook for the rest of the year, they did reaffirm, or they said, at least we plan to achieve our initial guidance of 500,000 uh, deliveries. Do you think that's achievable? Yeah, I think I, 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 I mean, my models are like 498, you know, but I, I mean, Tesla's going to grow their unit deliveries like 30 something percent. They're going to hit their guidance or at least on track, even if they miss it a little. I mean, no car company ever this year is going to hit their guidance from pre-COVID. I mean, that's insane. That's just unheard of. And Tesla's actually going to do it. I mean, this is the amount of, you know, experts that need to like totally eat their words and eat their foot because of that is just so mind-numbingly countless of like, wow, if, if auto sales fall off a cliff, wouldn't Tesla be the first to go? Don't they have the crappiest products? Aren't they the most overpriced? No, it was actually, by, they're de so much by far the best value for money that they're actually growing 30% when the entire industry is contracting like 30%. I mean, this is, when you even comp it to what the industry is doing, this is just, they're gonna write deck, you know, case study after case study on this, on what Tesla's doing. It, yeah, uh, I, I'm, I'm also pleasantly surprised uh, by that. One thing they did say, they didn't give a ton of outlook, but they did say for 2021 and 2022, we have revised up our expectations for capital spending by two to $2.5 billion. That's a lot of money for just the next two years. What is that additional spending going to, you think? Batteries. I mean, if you're going to reinvent the entire way the battery is built and you're going to put it in millions of electric cars, you're signing up to spend billions. And the fact is that would have cost any other company 25 billion to do. You know, Tesla's got a 70% reduction in price per kilowatt hour for CapEx, probably even better than that when you factor in all of like what they're doing beyond that. It's built on site. They don't have to transport around the world. Like Tesla, you know, I've actually, that's kind of been my theory is like, why are they piling up all this cash? What are they getting ready to do? If they did have a big outlay, it's because you're vertically integrating to another step of the vehicle production process. Your CapEx per unit of output is goes up if you're going to vertically integrate and take in battery production. And so when you're taking in that big of a piece, they want to do the cathode. They want to get into mining. I mean, Tesla's literally reinventing how the rock gets put in the battery, which is like four companies. You know, there's like four, you know, you buy the GM cars, like it's maybe like eight companies from the rock to the processor, to the refiner, to the, this, to the battery maker, to LG, to put it in the GM, you know, and Tesla's literally going to do all of it. And so for that to only be 2 billion in CapEx is, is it, you know, the, the capital, the way they spend capital is so efficient. I'm um, relative to everyone else. It's insane. But um, I was kind of waiting for that shoe to drop because I, I was like, okay, well, if we're going to build enough batteries for a million cyber trucks or semi trucks, like we need a huge battery factory. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, and I did like that later in the call. They did say that they're 
uh, trial factory that they had in Fremont was already one of the 10 biggest <laughs> cell lines in the world. Uh, that made me, uh, that made me laugh. Uh, just a little bit more on Outlook, a couple of things that I found interesting from the call in regards mm -hmm. to Megapack, which is their supersized energy storage system. Uh, quote, we have more demand than supply through 2021. We continue to ramp the product to match unprecedented demand across the globe through 2023. Our order book is rapidly filling up through 2023 in multiple gigawatt hour scale. And in regards to Powerwall, we have a large backlog of Powerwall and we continue to invest capacity to fulfill customer orders. I'm pretty sure the, the limiting factor with both Megapack and Powerwall does seem to be batteries, although that's, um, that's, that seems to be easing. Am I reading that correctly? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's um, and I think that that new energy guy has something to do with that backlog or something, because it sounds like it's going really well. Yeah. Uh, I was thrilled to hear that Megapack is already booked through 2023. That's, uh, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, Eli was also asked on the call about deliveries for 2021. And, he, and the question was, Am I reading this right that you should expect between 840,000 and 1 million? Elon said, you're not far off. If that's remotely accurate, that would be 60% to 100% to growth in 2021. Uh, that would be kind of nutty to see. Do you think that that's realistic? Yeah. I mean, so the video I put out last night was that I think they can do a million. And actually, I'm this guy on my live stream pre-earnings call was like, dude, they're going to do a million cars next year. I'm like, no way. And then I started crunching the numbers and it's like, well, they're at 840K now without China Model Y, you know, a little bit of growth on the current production lines, Berlin, Cybertruck, you know, when you're building three factories around the world at once, you're getting ready to really seriously ramp production. And so uh, I've crunched the numbers and I think it's Tesla's shooting for a million cars next year, is what I think, or around that. They're going to try and double unit sales and they're almost going to be able to pull it off. They might not, they're probably going to get like 80 or 90%. This is just what I really think. I don't, I'm guessing, but um I know yeah. it's, it's pretty insane to give you some sense. So this is from their, their, their shareholder yes. letter and slide. So they currently have capacity for about, if you add that up, that is 840,000. Um, and they have all this in development. I know they said that model Y Shanghai should be in production next year. Oh, uh, and I think there's that's, I'm glad you brought that up. That's what they're sandbagging. Model Y is going to do a hundred thousand cars alone next year in Shanghai is my opinion. Look at what model three did you know, in basically like one year, they got it up to a 250K production rate from starting production. And so I think they're about to start Model Y production. They'll end the year around 200K. They'll deliver a net around 100K. And so you just add that 100K into the 840, we're already at 940, right? Like, you yeah. know, maybe Model S and X are lower than 90K. Um, I guess they have the plaid though. So that's going to help that. And then look at all these blank spots we got here, Brian, like Berlin Model Y, that's supposed to roll off the line. Texas Model Y, that's supposed to roll off the line. Cybertruck US, those are, and that's all going to be, those might be the new batteries. So they could be really like small deliveries, but. They should be pretty high margin eventually though, uh, especially the, uh, the Roadster. And they did say on the call 12 to 24 months to reach uh, capacity. Have you heard any rumblings um, about uh, potential growth in India? Because I know that that's a massive market that Tesla hasn't even touched yet. I'm, you know, I love Tesla in India. Um, I'm still waiting for it. I'm, I'm, I pitched the cyber Shah and made a whole video rendering the cyber uh, electric rickshaw concept because the electric rickshaw market in India is like massive and booming. I didn't know I was researching this. And um, so I think 
you know, India has a lot of local government restrictions that make it really hard for a foreign technology company to enter and dominate. It's been just in history, we haven't really seen it. And so Tesla's trying to navigate that and they have enough on their plate. But frankly, I think the bigger the problem, the bigger the opportunity. You have 1.3 billion people, soon the most populous country in the world, needs a ton of energy, needs a ton of electricity, uh, cars, you know, sustainable, like this is a huge, huge opportunity. So I see it. I think Tesla will crush it in India eventually, but this is more like a 2025 story, you know? Yeah, they have plenty of fish to fry in the in the meantime. Yeah, uh, let's pivot and talk to uh, autopilot a little bit more. They mentioned on the call that the beta release uh, of this brand new rewrite was just launched yesterday, uh, maybe or or uh, very very recently, and they're going slow to scale it worldwide. Are you by have you by chance gotten to play with that yet? By is no, I wish. <laughs> I, no, they're not going to give it to me because I'm on a YouTuber probably. They're like, dude, because I think they don't want people filming it or something. Um, so you're not allowed to video it. Uh, but it's going to be very, very slow. And they said on the call, I think it's not going to be till the end of the year where every, like, it'll be in more widely available probably in the US. So, but that's still, even for me, I'm like, man, my car's already so good at driving. Like it's going to get better. Like, I don't think people like who don't have Teslas, like understand the feeling of like, like literally like I pressed a button on my app, like you want your car to get better? And I'm like, yep. And then I got better. Like no car does that. You know, it's so cool. And so I'm just waiting for Elon to ping me with the 0.10 update. And so I can get it on the edge of my seat, Brian, trust me. There you go. Now they did have this cool photo uh, in there, in their, in their, in their release about, so this is the eight cameras uh, in the, in a Tesla sees. And then I guess this is a map of the neural nets understanding of this. Is this the, do you think that this is the next generation software? That they're that they're talking about, or is this what is currently available? No, no, this is it. This is it for sure. Um, I think I think this is close. I mean, everything, like I said, nothing's really official from Tesla. It's all kind of secret. But from the leaks I was seeing on Twitter, um, there's some sort of new visual interface. And the big thing is like, what what's on that screen? Because that's what the car sees. That's how we communicate what the car brain is to your brain. And your brain has to be comfortable with what the car brain's thinking. You're not going to let it drive itself. So the hardest thing for Tesla to do. This is probably one of the most Another startup within Tesla that Elon Musk forgot to mention is the space rendering and visualization of what your car thinks of where it is in 3D space and rendering a world and communicating that to you is incredibly complex and nuanced. And I think Tesla's, no other car companies, you remote, like go into another car company's touch screen. Can you like, you go to your Tesla's touch screen, I wiggle it, I zoom out, I turn, the car knows where it is in the 3D world. Like this is a, it's an incredible and it, it's actually one of Elon's first companies was all about mapping and vector space, Zip2, I think this really weird, like kind of back end way to do maps on the web. And that actually sort of tied into this autopilot development. I think it's like Elon has a long time expertise to this kind of weird mapping. Anyway, I'm going to sidetrack, but this is the, what the brain of the car sees. And so I think that they're, they're giving you more info. They're going to clean it up for the mainstream, but it's going to be something like this. And they're trying to show you with that green arrow, you can see where the car thinks it's going, which lane it wants to go into. Um, it's a stronger green to that first left lane, but maybe it's there's a lighter green to the second left lane because there's a slightly less chance it goes there, but it could go there if it needs to. So that's why it's also green, like it's trying to communicate. So I'm fascinated by this. I still need to pour over it, frankly, but really cool. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And that he got asked, they got asked a question about full self driving on the call that I was, uh, I hadn't thought about before, but the question was essentially, if you buy full self-driving, will you be able to transfer to your next Tesla vehicle by paying like a small transfer fee? Uh, Elon, they were quiet for a little bit. And then Elon said, yes, I think we'll give it some thought. I don't know if he said, yes, we, we've thought about that or yes, we're going to do it. But that was something I hadn't thought about before. But 
if you pay, I mean, you talk about customer lock-in. If you pay, say, $10,000 for full self-driving with your next vehicle, even if there's more choices, if that transfers to your next vehicle, that's an interesting, that would be an interesting development. Yeah, I think it's actually my buddy, uh, Tesla Raj, he asked that question and he's like, I'm supposed to, he wants me to go on his channel and we're going to like have a debate about it because I was like, dude, this is pointless. Like who cares if you transfer FSD ownership? Like, you know, okay, and that's why so Elon, it's Elon not a whole case for you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I think it'll help. It's like, it helps a little bit, but it's like, it's to the point of like, they don't, they're not desperate for people to buy FSD. They don't need more people to buy it. They don't care, you know, because they already have like too many people. So their thing is like, we want people to buy FSD and it to go along with the car and people to operate that as a robo taxi. We don't want them tra transferring it and moving it around. So you're, you're like, it's, it's yet another clue of like, okay, this is some really weird, my new autopilot question, but you already got inside to Elon Musk of like, ah, another bullshit thing to think about when we're just going to be fully autonomous and this isn't going to matter in one year, you know? And so key insight. Fair enough. Uh, let's pivot to, uh, they talked a little about insurance on the call. They gave their insurance business some love. Uh, one of the things that Elon said is insurance could be very well, I don't know, 30% to 40% of the value of the car business, frankly. That is something that is extremely interesting. He also later on the call said something that I didn't know, but he said, I mean, Tesla is so vertically integrated that we build our own internal software for everything. They don't use software applications that are made by uh, other companies, other enterprise uh, companies. So they, he believes firmly that they have the ability to use this insurance product. Insurance isn't even on my radar like right now. I've heard of it. I, I don't see anything in here about it, but do you think that that's realistic, that it could be a third of the oh value of the car business? Uh, well, yeah. So there's a lot to unpack here. So, uh, you know, when the car goes autonomous, the liability for every single crash goes from the driver to the owner or driver of the car, the brain, the AI. So the amount of insurance you need for the, you know, Tesla autopilot driver is insane. So Tesla's already starting to insure their drivers because they're going to need to get in the insurance business to insure their own self-driving AI. This is what's much, that's why Rivian from the get-go is going to get in the insurance business, or they said they're going to try because they know this is the only way to do it if you want to actually get to full self-driving. So really, really interesting. And, you know, why is Tesla in a position to absolutely dominate the insurance industry? It's a first principles approach. And this is why it's so insane because when you drive another car, it's an analog device. Tesla's a computer on wheels. It's not collecting data. The Tesla's collecting every time I turn the wheel, every second I do the thing, every time I disengage, every time I speed, the amount of data that is pouring in from that Tesla over the cloud to Tesla's computers versus a Toyota Camry that goes to some third party that is first of all collecting no data, then goes through like six third parties to get to some insurance company. Like that data flow, Tesla versus that Toyota is like a hundred X. And so the entire insurance game is just all data. It's all calculating probabilities and data. So Tesla has way smarter people, way smarter algorithms with way more data. I mean, this is just, and actually the first two shouldn't matter. The data is really what's to focus on the first principles level. But um, so this is why Tesla is doing the insurance. This is why it's a no brainer. They have to do it for autonomy. And this is their data advantage of why I'm like, this is why I pitched Warren Buffett to split adjusted by, or it was at 300. Now it's like, what, that was 50 bucks a share. I was like, Buffett, buy five bill of Tesla because you're gonna put Geico, your best company out of business because um, you know nobody's gonna need human car insurance. And so the, the 30 to 40% thing was another interesting thing of Elon's already thinking about autonomy. Once again, this is the trend that keeps thinking up because the 30 to 40% is a ridiculous claim until it's an autonomous vehicle. And you think about how that optimization of data and safety and ensuring that you know AI driver is really the magic that makes the car go and is all the value to the car. And so that's why that insurance piece is such a big needle mover. And so, 
Um, I don't know. Does that make sense? I'm really. It, it, it does. And it's just, it's just interesting to me that, you know, they, they talk about these new products and these new business lines so early. And we as investors don't see any of the really financial results until years, uh, years later. It's, I always find it interesting that Elon is, th- I mean, that he thinks that highly of the insurance product. I thought it was just a product that was going to be out there to fix an inaccuracy that they saw in the insurance market. We're saying, oh, Tesla car owners are being charged more. We're going to offer this to kind of balance that. What it's saying is like they want this to be a major business line for them down the road. Oh yeah, this is really part of the the vision, and you know it's yeah, it's totally a, a, like a bedrock part of the vision, and it's also you know that data thing I was saying is also why their self driving thing is better because you think about that analogy like go get in your car, but it's not a Tesla. Like you're like how much data is this getting? No, it's like a it's like a piece of plastic with a piece. Of, it's like an analog machine. You know the Tesla is literally like a computer. It's computerized, and so yeah. I definitely want to leave time for questions, so I want to skip ahead a little bit. Uh, talk a little about the HVAC. They they did get a, some uh, some questions on there. Elon has hinted that an HVAC product uh, could be could be in the work, but he says uh, I think that that for the heat pump being in the car, being able to use for both use the batteries for both a thermal and an electric energy reservoir is significant. Same thing could be applied with home heater uh, and the back of the pack itself. It could be used for power generation, storage, heating, cooling, air filtration, water purification in one tight package. Wow, are they thinking big with this HVAC unit, uh, apparently. What do you think about that? Um, so my Model Y, I have this thing called the OctaValve, right? I'm not, did you did you hear about that? Yes. The new sort of heat pump thing. Yeah. Maybe it, it would be a bad idea to quickly explain what that is to people that haven't yes. heard about it. So the, the Model Y has a heat pump. No Tesla had a heat pump. Now they put it in the Model 3 too. And it's basically, it's called the Octavalve. It has this really cool octopus like Easter egg in the car. And it's basically this really complex networks of tubes and refrigerants that completely cools everything. The, the car, the supercomputer, because your need for cooling in the car is going way up as we go autonomous because you have a huge supercomputer in the car that wasn't before. And now we're electric, so we have a huge battery to cool. So it's not just the cabin. And so now you're thinking about heating and cooling is instead of like, let's cool six things in these own little microsystems, Tesla was like, wait, that's really dumb because now we're going to really need a cooling system for the car. Let's take a step back, design it from scratch. They came up with this Octavalve, which cools, heats and cools everything in the car super duper efficiently. Um, and I, the Model Y, even though it's a bigger car, is like just as much range as the Model 3 or did just because of this heat pump bump. Like it's mm. a real needle mover. And so that's what Drew is saying. That's what everyone's asking them on the call is like, and Elon Musk keeps hinting at this HVAC product. And that's what Drew finally connected the dots on this call is like the Octavalve, we got really good at moving heat super efficiently to different parts of the car and like efficiently moving heat and storing it and using the car as a thermal sink. What if the home is a thermal sink, you know? And and now we can move that heat. It's not just parts of the car. It's not just the battery, it's, it's rooms in your home. And so this whole, and, and you think about that trifecta I started at the beginning of this episode, how we store con- energy, how we consume energy, how we produce energy. Like that's the trifecta of Tesla. Could, you know, HVAC is a huge way we consume energy. That was how this product started was on Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan's like, oh, people leaving their TV on too long. like. Electricity route is through the roof. Elon's like, no, it's not the TV, it's the AC. You know, he had already in his head known first principles, what are the biggest power draws that are causing us to use the most fossil fuels? Let's just knock them down the <laughs> list, you know? I think that'll be yet another interesting business uh, to watch when it comes out. I'm excited for him to answer that. Although he did say that we don't have a prototype or anything, but essentially it's, it seems to be in the concept phase uh, at this point, but obviously they're thinking about it. Later in the call, He was pressed on his previous comments of, do you think 20 million vehicles per year is a realistic goal by, I believe it was uh, 2030. What he essentially said is, 
Well, our argument there is we want to change at least 1% of the vehicles globally on the planet uh, per year. That's where the 20 million vehicle per year comes from. <laughs> that's quite a target that they're setting out there. Do you think that that's realistic? Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it's the 20 million isn't as ridiculous as you being at zero saying you're going to do half a million, which is what they did. You know, so at this point, they're at half a million. They're going to do maybe a million next year. I'm like, yeah, even 10 years, they're going to be at 20 million. There might be a more like, you know, it makes sense to me. And I don't see anyone else doing, you know, reinventing cathode production, getting into mining, making your own batteries. I mean, Tesla's doing the only things that are they're like, okay, if we really need to switch every car to electric, like how many rocks do we need out of the ground? First principles. Okay, let's start getting those rocks out of the ground. Like we need a lot of rocks out of the ground. We need to build a lot of factories. Like no other car company is taking that, you know, level of commitment to doing this, of really starting from scratch and reinventing the entire supply chain. Rivian's trying and they've raised 6 billion and haven't even put out a car because it's so hard. You know what I mean? That's why like the 2.5 billion increase in CapEx for Tesla is nothing in my opinion. But so... I don't, I think nobody can compete no one's started competing with Tesla, honestly, because you really have to start from the blank slate. So when I think about if they're going to get to 20 million, I'm like, they're going to be a million next year. It's off to the races. Nobody's even started competing with them and they're 15 years ahead. It's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, and you can't blame him for not setting big, uh, big targets. I quickly want to ask you about some competition before we switch over to the Q and a, uh, GM produced their, a video about their Hummer. It's definitely seemed to have gotten buzzed. Just curious if you had a chance to check out the new GM Hummer at all. And what you think of it? I, I feel truly sorry for anyone who would buy that product. I mean, you're buying a car for like with like one third of the range of the Cybertruck for like six times the price without a charging network that can't drive itself. It's like double the price actually for the first one. You know, it's like 120 grand for like a 200, 300 mile car. The Cybertruck is starts at 70 and gets 600 miles of range and has supercharging and has autopilot. Like it's like the same thing as the Porsche. It's like the people who are saying that the Hummer is dope and has a chance, like you're not going to buy it. Do you have a reservation for it? No, I don't know anyone who's excited to buy it. Zero. Because no okay. one is. It's going to be a flop. Like I'm telling you, I, I know it's, it sounds like me being crazy now, but you watch this in a year, it'd be like, it probably won't even, like the chance of the Hummer getting to market is like 33%, to be honest. Like the chance of it even existing is, isn't even 50%, in my opinion. It's just all buzz. I mean, GM said they part, were partnering with Nikola and they did zero due diligence. It was a joke. They're not even going to make that Badger car. So that EV that GM talked about a month ago, they already canceled. And now they're saying they're going to make another EV that's coming out in 2024. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's a joke that we even give this the light of day, frankly. You know, I, I mean, I'm happy we're debating it now, but like the way the media, like I Google GM, like Hummer reservation sells out of first year of production in first two hours. You know, it's like, dude, that is just, not, you know, and then they're hating on Tesla. It's like, bro, like when, when it comes to push to shove the automotive industry, this Hummer is going to sell. I, my guess is in a best case scenario, one one hundredth of the annual units of the Cybertruck. Interesting call. Uh, how about uh, how about how about uh, love to get your comments on Waymo? They made the big announcement about full self driving being available in Phoenix. I'm pretty sure, and then it's going to be rolled out to other cities. Uh, what are your thoughts on Waymo? So my question for for Google and Waymo is, key bono, who benefits? If Waymo is going to change the world, and it's so great. Why did Google just let them raise three billion of outside capital? Google has all the data on Waymo. They know everything about Waymo. If it's such a home run, why wouldn't they be funding it? They stopped funding it. They pulled the rug out of it. Key bono. Google doesn't think it's going to work because it doesn't have what Google has. Free data. Tesla does. Every time you disengage autopilot, bing, sends a piece of data back to Tesla. They refine the HQ or they refine the algorithm. Why is Google the best search algorithm in the world? Because every click trains the AI, that data. Waymo doesn't have that flywheel of free clicks or free autopilot disengagements to train itself. 
because they're literally paying an engineer to drive around and do it. And so without that free flywheel of data, you don't have the secret sauce that makes the algorithm work. You're not going to ever achieve full self-driving. Google knows this because they're the AI leading AI company in the world. And that's why they know they lost to Elon. And that's why they're letting other investors fund Waymo. And so they're getting people like Silver Lake, who's like the dumbest tech money out there. You know, it's like tech bros who went to like school with me that have never run a company that think they know what to do with Waymo competing with Elon Musk. <laughs> no, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but this is my take. You know, I, I'm a little bit skeptical on the, uh, on a lot of these other EVs and, and self-driving technologies because it's it's all talk, it's all sizzle, no steak. And as much as people like to say Tesla's in, in that camp, they're just not. Tesla's put a million EVs on the road. I use the autopilot software every day. You know, I can't get into Waymo. I can't buy the Hummer. So talk is cheap, bro. You know, that's kind of how I get. And I've, I've just been like, it's easy to say you have a dope car coming out. It's easy to say what you're gonna do. You know, let's, let's do. Okay, let's get to some questions. Hot take there from Galley. Uh, question number yeah. one from Colin. <laughs> uh, what's with Adam Jonas asking the question about LIDAR was free, would Elon use it in his cars? He, uh, his other question was advice Elon would give to Jeff Bezos. Elon basically said no to LIDAR. It seems like analysts don't understand the use of cameras and radar will do the trick. Do you think that's the case, that Elon Musk is still seen as crazy for the approach that he takes to self-driving? Uh, at, at autonomy day, he was crazy, but like right after autonomy day a year ago, like all these people, including like the guy who started Waymo, Anthony Lewandowski, who I think is going to go to jail now, but even people like him where all these like thought leaders were like, yeah, actually Elon's right. And so, um, it's been interesting to see that. And I think the LIDAR thing is interesting. Cause I think he was saying that Jeff Bezos is still using LIDAR and that's what was tied to both of his questions. So that's why he's like, what would your advice be to Jeff then? If you don't even want to use LIDAR, you know? And so that's why. I think that's where he was going with that. And so to me, it was like, did Elon really just give Jeff Bezos advice to tell him not to use LiDAR? Why are we helping Bezos? Like, <laughs> As an Amazon shareholder, I support him helping uh, help Bezos. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, no, Amazon wants it. They want, they want the Tesla network. They want the autonomous electric business. And that was what Jonas is saying. He's right about that. Like Bezos, they're, they're trying. So it's going to be interesting. They're pouring billions into it. Uh, Richard James says, I bought Tesla for the battery technology and innovations more than the value of their cars. What do you think the value of their battery technology is? I mean, the value of the cars, the cars are so valuable because they have the batteries in them. You know, I think it's all the same. But yeah, I think, you know, something Elon said on the call that we didn't get to cover is this cell to path design or cell to structure. You know, these cells are a structural part of the vehicle. So you don't need to have all this excess structural mass. And so that honeycomb structural mass part of the battery cell is uh, like, it just makes Tesla from a first principles basis, like a step more efficient. And so everyone else is gonna need to compete with them to get to that. And so in some ways that breakthrough, you know, is gonna, what's gonna unlock tens of billions of cash flow for the electric vehicle business. So I get, get what that's saying, like, yeah, like, but you know, really Tesla's, you gotta look at it, it's a whole thing. You know, it's everything's part of all of Tesla, but that new battery tech is gonna be a, that and autopilot are, that's all the value. Uh, w says, what is the production status on Cybertruck, Roadster, Semi, and the solar roof tiles? All those? Yeah. <laughs> gotta... Do you know them off the top of your head? Uh, Roadster I think, is... I think we can just throw this up to help you. Oh, yeah. There you go. So the, the bottom three are in development and the solar roof tiles are currently being rolled out. They had, they had something in the call about they installed... When, when, a, when a roof is ready, it can be installed in one day or they, they installed under optimal conditions uh, in, in, one, in one day. Um, yeah. uh, Matania says, it seems that the enthusiasm of new Tesla ownership wanes a few months after users 
get the Model 3 and Model Y and find unacceptable defects in quality. Uh, is quality improving and how does this affect performance? You have any thoughts on that? I mean, I hate those really bug me because that, that entire question is based on a false premise from someone who probably doesn't own a Tesla that the Tesla starts to suck three months after owning it when it just doesn't. And I have a Tesla and it's only getting better. And everyone who I know has a Tesla is obsessed with it and would never switch to anything else. So it's like people like that are just not operating in the real world. It's like Tesla's quality control is insane. I use an app to get my service. It's night and day customer service versus every other auto company. There's no way I would ever switch. So I, I you know, I don't know. There's the, the, the question is based on a false premise that the Tesla sucks after three months out of nowhere, which is just totally wrong. So I think it was more about the whenever a new product is launched, there's always defects and then they get a lot of media attention and then they kind of get better over time. And the question was more, oh, is, the okay. quality, is the quality getting better over time? I think it is. And I think Tesla, they get a lot of hate for that, but they deliver all their first cars to customer or to uh, employees to like get a faster feedback loop. So I, I, I still just think that that's overblown. You know, I just don't think that that's really is, is actually an issue, even though it may happen like a very small amount of time. Uh, great. Joseph says, why would Tesla get into mining? A lot of the vertical integrations make sense to me, but mining seems like it would be a low margin business that doesn't add cumulative value. Mining makes no sense to get into unless you have a new way to do it. That is super cheap, super efficient, and you can do on site. And Tesla has. And so this new salt clay, like clay mining thing that they're doing in Nevada is a really innovative new type of lithium mining that every other mining company is like, you know, kind of downplaying in the boardroom they don't like it it's not established but meanwhile there's like 30 super innovative projects that are that are like trying to mine this around the world i talked to this guy who's like really interested in it and uh, after battery day and he was kind of like it's this corner of the mining industry that was super futuristic and cutting edge that nobody was paying attention to and now tesla's like really validated and so it's sort of like a leapfrog technology approach you know if there wasn't a leapfrog technology you're just going to build the same lithium plant that's across the world like okay that's a waste of time it's a waste of capex but if you come up with totally new new way in CapEx to do it, which is, it sounds like what Tesla thinks they have. It's going to be a couple of years before they pull it off. Like this could be really exciting. I, I agree. I saw a tweet that said yeah, the lithium publicly traded lithium companies fell by $2 billion in market value after battery day. And Elon said, we didn't mean to do that on purpose. Uh, Bob Kelly asks, I don't understand the battery materials. Will Tesla or the US have a good enough recycling program to have enough battery materials when the competition uh, heightens. Uh, can you speak briefly about the recycling uh, or Tesla's recycling goals? Yeah. So Tesla has a whole uh, battery recycling program that they've already launched and their whole goal is like to make it as recyclable as possible. And that's when you think about who's going to compete with Tesla, how the other competition going to come. It's like, well, Tesla's designing their own batteries from scratch. So they know how to recycle them better and designing them to make them easily recyclable and processable that material. So that's just another layer of how the vertical integration and they even said not going to a third party recycler is a huge efficiency gain for us. So another example of how that closed loop and vertical integration um, and just all that engineering in-house can make it easier to recycle too. Yeah, that's uh, what's what's his name? The other Tesla co-founder that left found Redwood Materials. Yeah, JB. JB, uh, JB that'll be interesting to, to watch. Last question here from Joseph. Why doesn't Tesla want more than 30% of its customers to buy full self-driving? It seems like pure profit to me. Are there incremental costs? Can you just explain a little bit more what you were saying before there? Yeah, no, that's actually a great point. And so I think a lot of it is that it's kind of like a beta out in the wild thing. Like they want people who want to use it to use it, if that makes sense. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe did you? 
have something for no I, I so so you're saying they're purposely so they're I mean, I would think that they would just want 100% of the people to, to buy this right now because it's got to be 90% gross margin product right now. And it, brings, it would bring in cash immediately uh, to, to help them out. They wouldn't be able to record it all as cash immediately just because of the vagaries of, of accounting. But uh, yeah, I was also a little bit confused. I think that only 30% of people are buying it because you're buying what you're buying when you buy full self-driving is the future potential of your car to be full self-driving, whereas it's not full self-driving. Uh, today. Yeah. I would say it's really just that people can't afford it. It's like, yeah, like ideally everyone would pay an extra 10 grand on their car and buy this and be way happier. But like everyone that I've talked to that doesn't have FSD was like, I already broke, like went broke to buy the Tesla. I just like didn't have that 10 grand, but I wish I did, you know? And so that's just, you know, I mean, yeah, every company wishes they could sell like way more of their product for more money, but it's just like, they have to charge the right price. That's fair where their economics work and they have enough people buying it. And so they're just doing that kind of balancing that sweet spot, if that makes sense. Sure thing. All right. Thank you, Gally. We are out of time. I know that you will be back to talk some more Tesla down the road. Thanks all so much for your insight and we'll see you next time. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. Have a good one.